as we look today in chapter 3 and in 1 Corinthians, we find that Paul is diligent in sharing with these believers in Corinth that God and God alone is worthy to be praised. That man's not worthy of praise. Man's not worthy to be followed. But God is worthy. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we would follow after him. (laughs) I'm so glad that today I'm doing my best to follow after him. I'm so glad there's others in this place that's doing your best to follow after him. And I'm glad to know that there's those who are lost But he's speaking to your heart and saying, come, follow after me. I don't know who he's speaking to today. But I would encourage you to listen to him more than you listen to me. That through this message, you just listen to the Holy Spirit as he's speaking. You obey him. I'll get out of the way and let him move. But if he's moving you, to come just tell me that he saved you today. You feel free to come. You feel free to come. For the church, we're going to just spend some time here in chapter 3 in these first nine verses. Just thinking about carnality, the source of division. Carnality, the source of division. One writer described people as putting them in one of three categories based upon what we see in their lives. One is we're either the natural man, which is where we all began. As unbelievers who are in bondage to sin, Christ outside of our lives, where the natural man's desire is to live his life without Christ. We were all once there. None of us were born saved. Get it out of your heads. We, we, we look at our children and we see these precious angels. I want to assure you they're not. You just keep them long enough. You'll find out they're not. We were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Though we were created in God's image and in his likeness, we sinned against God. We all fall into this one category at one time or another. Then the writer says that there's the carnal man or the carnal Christian. It's a believer who has Christ as Savior, but not Lord of their lives. He's not, he, I'm talking about Christ, is not governing this carnal man's life. Instead, the carnal Christian lives to govern his own life. And sadly, I've come to report that there are many who fall in this category. But I thank God 
I thank God there are those who fall into category as spiritual men. Can I get politically correct spiritual men and women? You know what I mean when I say spiritual man. (laughs) But let me make sure I'm not offending you. Spiritual men and women. He or she is that victorious Believer who's living their lives in obedience to God's word. They're living their lives allow, being led by the spirit of God. They're not perfect. No. None of us are perfect. We won't be on this side. Oh, but I thank God he's working on us. The one day he will perfect us. But he won't be on this side of life. But he is, but this spiritual man, this spiritual woman is experiencing growth and victory because Christ, the word of God, is governing their lives. I'm glad to say that there are many who fall in this category also. I would pray that for this body of believers... And I'm going to go back to before COVID with the 200 in attending for out of those who were professing Christians. I would pray that at least 90% of us were of the spiritual man. That may be wishful thinking, but I'm praying that anyway. You're sitting there like saying, I don't know, preacher. Well, (laughs) where you fit in these categories, I can't say. That's something that you and the Lord knows. And if I would be honest, that's something the Lord only knows for some. So as we look in this particular text today, I'm not thinking of anyone but myself. You can be assured before I even began studying this passage, I had no one on my mind but me. As the passage revealed itself, I still had no one on my mind but me. It's not a day where I'm casting stones. It's a day when I've had to spend this week thinking about my life. And I pray that after this week that we all spend time thinking about our lives. Thinking about where we fit in these of these categories. And I... I pray that we'll all do an honest assessment as we strive to be the very best that we can be. Now, let me, let me just clear the air. This isn't a message on eternal security. This isn't a message on once saved, always saved. This isn't a message on you can be saved today and lost tomorrow either. This is where Paul is dealing with believers Professing believers in the church in Corinth and how the setting of that day can fit the setting in which we're living in today. If we look here in chapter 3 in verses 1 through 9, the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you're not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. 
For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow work, workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. Now, God, we pray that you would remove us, hide us behind the cross, and speak your word into our hearts. God, I can't do this message justice, but God, you can fix these broken words of your servant, and you can form them and fashion them in the hearts of each one that is here. So, God, we're calling on you today. And God, as your Holy Spirit is with us, I pray that he is ministering to those who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ. That God, that through this service, through what you've already done and what you're continuing to do, that hearts would be stirred and that they would sense a need for a Savior and they'd call upon the name of Jesus. God, we know you're faithful. We know you're just and you will forgive them of their sin. Now, God, you lead us throughout the rest of this service and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here as we are entering, entering into chapter 3, we're still seeing how terribly affected this church in Corinth was by their thoughts on a pastor and what a pastor should look like or should be like. We know this church without a doubt is divided. We know that the division focused primarily upon former preachers who have served in this church for some time. Peter, Paul, Apollos, these men had spoke to these people and now they're trying to figure out who would best serve us for what we want to be. Now let's keep in mind, these preachers had nothing to do with this. These preachers weren't going behind the scenes, politicking and trying to get favor among some. But these are people who took it upon themselves to say, I think we should have him. And another saying, well, I think we should have him. And another saying, well, I think he would be better for us. You, you keep hearing that phrase, I think. It really doesn't matter what I think, does it? Amen. <laughs> well, that's a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> it, it's, it's not about what I think. 
It really is about what God desires. Because God knows. Well, it's as if these believers in Corinth was unaware that this is the reality. That it's about what God knows. Often, what we find here in this passage is that these Christians are divided. And they're divided because this church is filled with carnal Christians. And when we think about carnal Christians, we have to understand the criticism that Paul has for carnal Christians. This criticism is just. carnal. The carnal man or the carnal Christian is someone who is a true believer in Christ, but they're spiritually immature. We're not necessarily talking about a new believer because this has nothing to do with length of time as a believer, but it has everything to do with the development or the lack of development as a Christian. It's because his or her mind and the behavior of these Christians when we see that their mind is more focused on themselves rather than on Christ as it should be, we find sadly that in most cases these carnal Christians are those who have been saved or professing to have been saved for a long period of time. (coughs) But these believers know very little They know very little about Christ. They know very little about God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. Now, it didn't take the Apostle Paul very long to recognize that the church of Corinth was filled with these carnal Christians. The telltale sign of this was the fact that the division was taking place among these local believers. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints and I want to assure you that whenever there's confusion, whenever there's division, whenever there's chaos going on in the church, One thing that you can be certain of, if you don't want to believe me, you just read the scriptures and they'll be sure to tell you. You can bake on this if you've never baked on anything that I've said in in my time here as pastor. If there's confusion, if there's chaos, if there's division, God is not in it. Wherever there's envy and strife within the local body, Carnality is clearly seen. Envy leads to jealousy. And when people become jealous of one another, they become divided. And they begin to quarrel with one another. And and not only will they quarrel with one another, but we like to quarrel about each other. Somebody say amen. Yeah, let's let's be honest today. Uh, uh, What's funny is that when people will get upset over a position in the church. 
They will get upset over a volunteered position in the church. Do you know why that happens? Well, let me help us. It's because we have our focus on us rather than we have our focus on the Lord. Tell, tell me how can a spiritually mature man or woman get upset because they haven't been chosen to serve in a titled position? When they won't serve without the title. Uh, <laughs> come on, help me out a little bit. Truth is, if we refuse to serve without the title, then we don't deserve the title. And we don't, and we're not going to serve anyway. You know what? I, I think I've told you this before, but there's some new folks here. I want them to hear this. When I was the, when I was moderator, uh, uh, one of the moderators of the association, I was chairman of the, of the ordination committee. And we ordained several deacons in several churches. And the first thing I would ask the pastor is before y'all called them into this service, did, were they doing deacon work already without the title? In other words, when they saw trash on the grounds, did they just pick it up or did they call somebody else to go pick it up? When somebody was in need, did they go in and see how they, the church could meet that need? Or when somebody was hurting, did they call and check on that somebody? If they weren't already doing that without the title, you certainly don't need to give them the title because chances are they won't do it then. Amen. Listen, folks, we've got to get real with this. We get upset because we don't have titles all that is an indication of just how spiritually immature we really are. This is behavior that's expected in the world. You know, where men and women live in the world, we, we know where we, we used to seeing people getting upset when they don't get what they want. You know how we are in the workplace. <laughs> this is when we see people using others to get what they want. You know, they take somebody else's idea and present it as their own or they will backstab one another in the office area or they do whatever they can to step on somebody and even go as far as stepping on their throat in order to get to the position that they want and then look down and find a way to get rid of that person they stepped on because they're a threat to them. Uh, <laughs> oh, if you've worked in a plant, if you've worked in manufacturing, you've seen this. If you've worked in an office anywhere, you've seen this. Oh, let me tell you, if you've worked in construction, you've seen this. You might be blind to it, but you've seen this. Yes, this is, this is when we're wanting, it doesn't matter what it takes, we're willing to do whatever it takes to get ourselves into a certain position. Uh, we know the, the popular faith, uh, phrase. Uh, I was, we, we use this all the time. I was passed over by someone else in the office. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, that, you know what? That, that makes a couple assumptions. It, it makes the assumption that that other person's not working as hard as you. And it makes the assumption that you are entitled to that position. And, and I want to tell you something. Everything that we have is by the grace of God. And we're not entitled to anything. Do you know there were pastors in our association that were upset when I come to Reedy Branch? I don't know why. Y'all didn't know me. I didn't know you. But there were pastors that were upset. Oh, he hasn't been preaching long enough. He shouldn't be at a church that's full time. Well, take that up with God. That's not my business. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> well, let me, let's go on. <laughs> you know, we're talking about people who are willing to fight and struggle 
over position, over popularity, over honor, and over recognition. But when we bring this to the church, we're looking at ourselves when we should be looking to God. Because of this, because this was the setting in the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul said, I cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. The carnal man has to be fed with milk, not with meat or the meat of the word. Listen, this doesn't give the preacher or pastor the authority to, or the right to water down the gospel. We can't compromise the gospel. We preach, we teach the gospel. However, when we're dealing with carnal Christians, we can't preach or teach the deep things of Christ. They're not able to digest it. Now, you mothers, you understand this. You understand a little bit better than most men. You know, uh, you remember when your children were babies? You began feeding them with milk. My wife had to help me with this a little bit last night. That lets you know why I said women, mothers, you understand this better than men. You know, because that's all that a child can take. That's all that they can digest when they're first born is the milk. But as they grow a little bit, you begin to put some sort of uh, cereal in the milk. Or what many of you know as pablum. Anybody know what that is? Somebody know? Somebody raise your hand so these young people don't think I'm foolish. Pablum is that when you're putting cereal in the milk. Uh, next, as they begin to grow a little bit more, you begin to feed them what is, what is actually blended food. It, it don't look like anything other than different flavors or different colors of applesauce, but it's, but it's actually food. Carrots and, 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 and uh, beans and uh, all sorts of things. And I don't know how it tastes. I, I, I'm one of those. If I don't like the way it looks, I'm not going to eat it. So, so I, I don't know what it tastes like, but these babies, they seem to fall in love with it. Around that time, uh, some parents start to give the baby maybe uh, mashed potatoes or, or a baked potato. They give them a little bit at a time. They start to maybe feed them a little bit as they get a little bit older uh, on, on table food. You know what a lot of parents will do, a lot of mothers will do? do they, they've read uh, now, they, they've read these books, especially with that first child. They've read these books and they, they see that these books are telling them exactly when to do this at this stage and this stage and this stage when we ought to be just looking at the child and knowing what it needs. God gives mothers an instinct. These people who are writing books don't know your child and they don't know you and they don't know your environment. They don't know what, what, what you're bringing to the table. They don't know your experience or your mothers or your grandmothers who's trying to help you. Y'all know what that word means, don't you? It means to help you. Uh, and then when they get a little bit bigger, what we'll start to do is, is give them uh, really fine cut up meat. You probably don't start with red meat. You probably start with chicken or maybe even a little bit of fish. You know, uh, yeah, hot dogs, something soft that they could chew up and, and it, it won't hurt them. And you watch them with every chew that they make to make sure they don't get choked. What, what I can assure you of is I don't, I, I bet everything I own that not one person in this place brought their child home from the hospital and immediately cut them a piece of steak and gave to them. Now, if you did, bless your heart. 
But you understood, you understood that you got to be gentle with those children and you got to let them grow. They, you couldn't just feed them what is the best food that there is until they got to where they could handle it. Well, while some believers read and study God's word, sadly, there's some that, there's some that never do. While there are believers who pay attention and pray, often, sadly, some don't. As a result, some grow slower than others in their Christian walk, and sadly, some never grow at all. And as for those who never grow, they must, they must continually, continually be fed the basics of God's word. In John 16 and 12, here's the issue with that. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. Folks, I want us to know this, that God wants so much out of our lives, but until we start investing in this relationship with him, by spending time with him and he letting him grow us we can never have what it is that God wants for us Amen. sadly there are too many Christians living beneath their privilege and until they begin to grow by spending time with God's word by spending time in prayer they'll never be fed the depths of God's word this is the state of this Corinthian church. So after making the believers aware of their lack of spirituality, the apostle Paul provides the correction for carnality. We look there in verses 5 through 9. We begin to see that it appears that the believers in Corinth were in the process of playing politics. What we find is fun, funny is that People can understand the complexity of politics, but they can't understand Jesus when he says in Luke 9 and 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Perhaps some were having gatherings in their homes in an attempt to figure out how to persuade others and what kind of minister that they need. Well, we know that they were having gatherings in their home because Paul gets a report about the division in the church from a family that had gathered or a group that had gathered in a family's home. So if the concern of the Corinthian believers was to find a pastor, they needed to correct their wayward thinking of a pastor. So notice how Paul begins to deal with this. He asks the question in verse 5, Then who then is Paul and who is Apollos? This question gives the indication that the people were arguing over these men. However, the arguments were not about who, how they would declare the gospel. Instead, it appears that the argument was about which pastor represented the church in the way that the church felt that they needed to be viewed best. They wanted a pastor that could be glorified, one that they could give their allegiance to. In chapter 1 and verse 12, we find that the Corinthians were shouting, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Different groups calling out different names saying that they're of them. When all of them should have been saying, I am of the Lord. Paul continues in chapter 3 in verse 5 to say that he and Apollos were ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave each one. Paul was simply saying that we are not to be glorified, nor should your allegiance be to us, for we simply are servants of the Lord. 
Paul said he planted and Apollos watered. But it was God who gave the increase. In other words, Paul and Apollos done what God allowed them to do. And then God done what they couldn't do. No pastor can be compared to God. Praise, honor, recognition belongs to God. No pastor should be idolized so that people will become followers of that pastor. Respect the minister, yes. Love him, yes. Appreciate and value the labor that he does because it's for you in the Lord. 1 Timothy 5 and 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. Yes, pastors are to serve well. And those who do serve well, they're worthy of respect, love, and appreciation and honor. But don't be a follower of your pastor. Be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 29 and 2 says, give unto the Lord the glory, do his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And in order to do that, we have to have our eyes set simply on the Lord and not on man. God is to be glorified. We praise, we lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the name of the pastor. Whatever gifts the pastor has in whatever way the pastor happens to make the congregation look good. (laughs) Lift the name of Jesus, not the name of the minister. John 12 and 32, Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Acts 4 and 12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Whatever gifts I have, whatever gifts any preacher or minister has their gifts that God gave us. And in whatever the way we water and whatever the way we plant, we do so by God's call on our lives and the strength that we receive through the power of the Holy Spirit. And whatever grows out of that, God gives to us. Isaiah 25 and 1 says, Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Your counsel of old are faithfulness and truth. I promise you. And there are probably some, if I haven't let you down, just keep living, keep hanging around. I'm sure I will. And there's probably some in here that will tell you how I've let them down. That's just who I am. I'm flesh. I'm blood. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I don't do everything just right. Not because I don't desire to, but because I'm not there yet. I'm not where where Christ is. I'm not got the glorified body that he's got. But I promise you, he will never let you down. You will never find any fault in him. In the midst of them wanting to crucify him, Pilate even said, I find no fault in this man. And they still crucified him. As the lamb led to the slaughter, he said not a word. And while hanging between heaven and earth, instead of cursing you, which is what a preacher would do, instead of spitting upon you, which is what a preacher would do, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because he loves us. He loves us. 
again, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as your pastor, I urge this so that God will continue to bless you, respect and care for your pastor, appreciate and value the work he does for his labor is for your sake. But all honor and praise is to God. As ministers of the gospel, we do have to set the example to those whom we serve. There must be spiritual unity between ministers if we expect there to be spiritual unity between the congregation or within the congregation. We're all in this work together and we're all essential to the kingdom of God. And it takes all of us. I'm actually just watering upon what was planted before I come here. I haven't built up anything. The foundation was here and I've just been watering all along. And whatever has happened, those who have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior under our ministry here, those who have drawn closer to the Lord under our ministry, here those who've been baptized under our ministry here those who who find themselves who find themselves giving God for every moment of their lives since we've been here I want to assure you it's God who gives the increase and it's him who deserves to be glorified and proclaimed I can only proclaim what God gives me I can do nothing else he does the saving And he does the sanctifying. But we will stand before God. As ministers of the gospel. We will give an account to God. In how we serve his people. Our faithfulness to God. And our service. To our congregations. Will not go overlooked. He will reward us. According to our labor. And his good will. And that's a scary thought. You read through that and you think, wow, how blessed he is. It's a scary thought to me that when I stand before him, I'm giving an account of what I did and I didn't do while serving here. And I thank you (laughs) for your prayers. I believe with all my heart daily somebody is praying for me. For these 16 years, I wouldn't still be here. But somebody has been praying for me. I thank you, church, more than you realize. I get frustrated. My wife can tell you I get frustrated and I get frustrated rather easily. A large part of my frustration is just knowing how weak I am. But I thank you for the prayers. Because because of your prayers, God gives me strength. Even in my weakness. Listen, folks. God spoke the world into existence. By his voice, all that was made, he made. He then carved man out of the dust of the ground in his image and his likeness. God wanted a relationship with his creation, but man continued to disobey him. So God called to himself a people out from a heathen nation that would worship him. Worship him only and make him known to the world. Oh, they failed 
they failed so that the wickedness of man became so great that the sacrifice of animals no longer would suffice. Their blood was not enough to cover the sin of the world. So in his grace, in his mercy, God sent his only begotten son to be the once and for all sacrifice for the sin of the world. God and God alone is worthy to be glorified. Jesus willingly left the portals of heaven. He came to this sin-cursed world. He gave his life so that we could be forgiven of our sin. He arose from the grave that we could have victory over death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus and Jesus alone is worthy to be magnified. And the Bible says in Romans 29 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And at his appointed time, if you choose to obey his word, he will glorify us. Oh, he's worthy of all glory. Jesus is worthy of all majesty. Oh, my question for you as every head's bowed, every eye's closed. My question for you who are unsaved today. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he lived a sinless life? Do you believe that he died a sinner's death? Pouring his blood out for you to cover your sins so that you could be forgiven and have eternal life. Do you believe Jesus is the Savior of the world and that if you call upon him, that you will be saved? Oh, if you believe this, my next question is, are you ready? Are you ready to confess your sins to him? And receive his forgiveness. It's not about something coming down. It's just receiving what he's already done. He died for you. He bled for your forgiveness. He broke the barrier that stood between you and God. And he became that barrier. That if you would call upon him, he would give you access to God. Are you ready to confess Jesus? Not just as your Savior, but as your Lord and Savior. Are you ready to receive all that he has for you? If you are, while every head's praying, every eye's closed, would you just pray with me, God? I know I'm lost. But God, you sent a Savior. And I believe it's Jesus. God, I believe he died for my sin. I believe he rose for my victory. And I believe he's coming back. And God, I want him to receive me unto himself. God, I confess my sins to you. 
and I place them all at your feet. I ask you to forgive me and I receive Jesus as my Savior. God, I thank you for being faithful to your word. I thank you for saving me. Now, God, help me through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to live as you would have me to. Help me to grow to where soon I can feast upon the meat of your word. Help me so that, God, I can have a victorious life while I look forward to an abundant life. Thank you, God. Now give me strength to share with others what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray.